Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to 1-1 draws. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again, deja vu, it's me, it's Mark Donaldson, and hearts to another game 1-1. Back in the day, that was always the the kind of three points. Remember when the pools panel used to sit? Well, you you probably don't, you're you're still a young whippersnapper, Um, but you had your, uh, was it 49? Or however many it was, and if there was a game postponed, uh, you would get the pools panel that would sit and adjudicate, and it was it always seemed to be pretty rare that they would give out the uh, the old one-one draw um, because that would that would mean all three points available um, or whatever it would be. Uh, yeah, we, we 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 do too many of those <laughs> unbeaten. Yeah, but. Not good enough. Let's 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 cut the bullshit. Not good enough. Indeed, um, and a similar story to what we've had. And last week we reduced our discussion on the latest Hearts game because we felt like it was getting a bit repetitive, both for us and for you listening. Uh, so this week we're we're going to cut it back even more. And I don't really have anything to to say about Inverness Caledonia Thistle one Heart and Midlothian one because it's pretty much the same story we've had for three weeks and I guess it's a similar story to a lot of games in recent times so we don't want to bore you we know it's been covered by others and we know that we've covered a lot of it so we want to go a bit deeper this week and talk about what have the problem why have hearts been in a bit of a rut for for not just this season not just last season but for a few years um, and highlight maybe some of the issues and and then look at some of the times where hearts have not been interrupted and, and what was different this um, is only on our podcast right oh yes god yes it's going to be v- wow. summarized De- yeah, oh, yes. bullet points <laughs> indeed uh, we will look at your suggestions for pre-season tours after we talked about the um the northern trifecta of uh it was was a Elgin, Peterhead, and Montrose three games in three days mm, in the mid nineties. Yeah. So we'll look at some ideas for that, which will hopefully be more fun uh, than talking about Heart of Midlothian in twenty twenty one. Okay, so let's let's get started on this. Another, let's face it, another two drop points for Hearts. It probably won't mean um, that Hearts struggle to go up, given. Most other teams in the championship drop points on a regular basis. But again, it was cause for concern. Another game where Hearts huffed and puffed, got an equaliser, but when the opposition decided to try and nullify us and sit behind the ball, we had very little in the way of ideas to break them down. And at the back, we looked a bit unsure. And it it was just, you know, we, we talked about deja vu last time out. It, it was just the same again, really, Mark, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was, and I, I think there was a, an element of frustration that started to, to kind of emanate from my voice a couple of weeks ago, and then it got more and more kind of frustrating. And then you see that because it, it's it's the definition of, of insanity, isn't it? It's, it's doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. How many times do we have to say, not, we're not telling Hearts fans anything they don't know. It was a sluggish start. The players all speak about that post-game. So everything got off to a good enough start. Then when previewing games, we're hoping it got off to a quick start. What's the problem here? Because it's all about reaction. 
instead of proaction for hearts. That's the big frustration. Why do we have to wait for something to happen before it kicks us into gear? Can we not start in something other than neutral? Because we've got a better squad than everyone in the league. And ultimately, they're underperforming as a unit for whatever reason. What is that reason? Yeah, it's an interesting one. And I think rather than, like I said, rather than go into this particular game or the last few weeks, I want to look at a much bigger picture because, let's be honest, this doesn't just come down to this set of players. It doesn't just come down to Robbie Nielsen. It doesn't even come just to come down to Craig Levine. It's, it's, it's been like this for quite a while. And I was thinking about this um, just the other night. Obviously, Hearts won the Cup in 2012, the last bit of silverware. And there's been a downward spiral since then. And, of course, there have been mitigating factors in a lot of that. You know, the season after, we had to cut back a bit. And the season after that, there was administration. But there's still been a lot of underachievement there for Hearts. And what I've done here, just as a comparison, and this popped into my head when I was watching St. Johnson against Livingston on Sunday, when we saw... St. Johnston lift their second um, piece of silverware since Hearts won that cup. And we saw the likes of um, Liam Gordon, who never got close to the Hearts team starting and playing in that cup final. And Jason Holt and Scott Robinson playing in the cup final for Livingston. All these players and teams, a division above Hearts and competing for silverware while we struggle to get wins on the board in the championship. So I've listed the clubs that I'm going to put down as having achieved more than Hearts have in the last nine seasons. So that's including this one. Mm-hmm. Um, just to set it out there. So and I've done this. A lot of it's a clear order. Some of them you can debate. But I'm, I'm counting a trophy win as better than like a third or fourth place finish. Yeah, so of course. Aberdeen are the... I mean, Aberdeen obviously have been the, the most successful team. I'm ignoring Rangers and Celtic, of course. There's no point in comparing to them. So Aberdeen have had, in the last nine seasons... Um, Four second place finishes, uh, a third place finish once. They've finished fourth twice. They've won the League Cup once. Um, seven seasons, seven seasons in a row before this one. They've been in the top four every season, and at the moment they're set to make it eight seasons in a row in the top four. Which I suppose people say that's what we expect. Aberdeen have had the biggest budget in there outside of Celtic, and then outside of Rangers and Celtic. But that's consistency it's consistent um, performances even if the Aberdeen fans are not um, feeling it right now behind them you got St Johnston so St Johnston have had one third place finish they've finished fourth three times they've won the Scottish Cup and they've now won the League Cup two trophies and four top four finishes since Hearts last won a cup um, Motherwell have had second place twice and third place once. Inverness have finished third once, fourth once, and they've won the Scottish Cup. Hibs have finished fourth once and they have won the Scottish Cup and they are likely to add a third place finish to that this season. Um, But obviously that's not done and dusted yet. Ross County have won a League Cup. St Mirren have won a League Cup. So that's nine seasons including this one. In that time, Hearts have finished third once. No trophies. Oof. Now, Aberdeen, you can argue, over that period, will have had more resources than Hearts. And you could argue that, you know, the season we were in administration, we had very little in the way of resources, and we had to spend a year in the championship. But 
you're still looking at St Johnston, Motherwell, Inverness, Hibs, Ross County, St Mirren have all won something or had overall have had more third or fourth place finishes than Hearts have in the best part of a decade. And to me that's quite damning because I don't look at a lot of these teams and their squads and their teams for some of these final matches or some of those seasons and think, wow, God, I wish Hearts had had those players. You know, I don't look at, you know, with all due respect to Liam Gordon or Scott Robinson, um, I, I don't look at them and think, man, we shouldn't have let those players go. That's where our problem is. It, it, it go, it, for me, Mark, it goes, there's something more fundamentally wrong there than just saying, well, we shouldn't have let that player go because he's... Do- you know, Ross Callahan's has scored for Hamilton as we're doing this against St Johnston. He's doing very well, apparently, in the top flight for Hamilton. A division above hearts. I wouldn't say, oh God, we shouldn't have let Scott uh, Ross Callahan go. No. Whew. Um, where to begin with this? It is a big picture item. It's, it's, it's difficult to know, to, to pinpoint one specific thing. Where you can look at it from the outside looking in is Aberdeen fans are not happy right now with what they're being served up. Mm -hmm. And you listed them as the most successful team by by way of finishes. And the the disappointing thing for them has been a lack of trophy. Yeah, they won that one, but it was was seven years ago. Was that Dundee? No, that was the the League Cup. Inverness, yeah, the League Cup final. So they they want a change, and we've spoke we spoke last week about be careful what you wish for. So I think it, it, it's difficult to 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 know. I mean we, we we've underachieved, but we've been fortunate in a way in that since like, we'll take out nineteen ninety eight because that's probably too far back. Um, but I know I want to speak about 98 and the style we, we were successful. The style that we've been successful when winning trophies is a lot more simplified than what we seem to be getting over the last, well, eight years since the cup win. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's overcomplicating things, I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's, I mean, that's the interesting thing that you're talking about there because, um, you know, you look at, you know, Livingston have had some success recently, got to the cup final. Got a good run of results, um, you know. They, they don't. They don't look to play. You know, I, I think it'd be over criticising. They don't look to play overly, maybe a, a, a certain style or a certain possession based game at times. You know, they they're effective at what they do. You know, look at Inverness. have had a couple of good finishes. Um, Motherwell, St Johnston, St Johnston as well. I mean, they've done so well. A lot of that success was under Tommy Wright, who many people say, uh-huh. um, "Oh, I wouldn't want him at Hearts because of his style of play." It's it's negative football, people will call it, but that's got lots of results for a team with, you know, a fraction of the result uh, resources of Hearts on the whole. They've had um, a third place finish, three, you know, four top four finishes in a time that Hearts have had one top four finish and they've also had two trophies in that time I mean that's I think that's that's where it gets difficult because you then compare to Aberdeen where they are in a similar situation that a lot of Hearts fans maybe felt with Nielsen first time around I know it's Nielsen has had a nowhere near the same longevity as McInnes had at Aberdeen but that same point where Hearts were still getting results under Nielsen but the fans start to feel like the style wasn't there, like he was too negative. Um, 
And that's, I think that's what you were going to go into because we were chatting with Ryan McGowan yesterday because there's something I've thought about a few times and I wanted to get his perspective because he's obviously played in a Hearts team, played in a Hearts team that did well, played in a Hearts team that struggled a little bit before he left and he's also played for a couple of other Scottish teams in the same league. And I'll, I'll, I'll quote Ryan McGowan, I don't think you'll mind this, um, we were talking about when Hearts do well and he said, anytime Hearts do well, it's with a big fuck-off, ugly number nine, two tricky, pacey wingers playing off him, dogs in midfield, old-school centre-backs, and full-backs doing what it says on the tin. Um, I, I kind of felt like he was talking about that Jim Jeffrey side just before he became a Hearts regular. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting that he says that, because I was thinking about some of the seasons, some of my favourite seasons as a Hearts fan. Um, you know, 97, 98... You know, we got it forward, we played quick, it was direct, it was aggressive. We didn't worry too much about conceding goals because we felt we could bang them in at the other end. Um, season 2002-2003 under Craig Levine, basic, 4-4-2, get it out wide or play through the middle to Mark De Vries with someone off him. Um, 5 6 you know, under Burley initially anyway, 4-4-2 again, get it forward quickly, play off second balls, attack the team, be aggressive right from the off. 2010-2011, again under Jeffries, that 4-3-3, very much what I thought Ryan was alluding to. Kevin Kyle playing up top, two players flanking him with a bit of pace. And again, hold up play, getting it wide, playing it quick, playing it direct, getting it in, in the opposition faces. 2011-2012 was slightly different, I felt, because Paolo Sergio did come in with a more continental style and approach, and he did try and change it a little bit initially. Um it's funny though, 2011-2012, as a season, I don't think many of us would class it as our big memorable ones if Hearts hadn't ended it the way they did. No, I it's because of the ending, isn't it? But in terms of seasons, yeah, 97, 98, 02, 03, 05, 06, 2010, 2011, you could count the championship game season in there as well, but that's obviously post-2012 and I'm trying to look back a bit further. These seasons, it wasn't overcomplicated football. We didn't try and... Um, you know, do a tiki-taka, Pep Guardiola, or um, overly, you know, try and become this very fancy team with really um, intricate tactics. It was basic. And obviously there's little bits in there. You know, there's lots of individual battles and the likes of Jim Jeffries or George Burley or Craig Levine will say there's lots more to it than just that. But tactically, and our approach, it wasn't overcomplicated. No. When was the last time you would consider a Hearts team playing with a high intensity? If we take out the championship, um, because I thought we did in 2014-15 under Nielsen, um, it's funny, I'd probably say the start of Robbie's first season back up. I thought we started, if we're talking the top flight, and I might be I might be missing something because I know we started the, the season quite well under Craig Levine, um, before the arse fell out of it um, when Stephen Naismith got injured. But maybe even Robbie that first season back up where he kind of carried on the momentum initially. We won the first five games and there was that very dodgy moment at Hamilton when Callum Patterson was sent off. We then got picked apart by Aberdeen and I felt like that run, we had a couple of defeats after that. I felt like Robbie, if, you know, maybe went into not his shell but became a little bit more conservative and started to overthink the opposition a little bit more than just hearts doing what they're doing 
Um, but for a long time, for like a full season, probably 2010, 2011, if we're talking about consistently, that Jeffries team, that remember they won 10 in a row, and again, it, they started to falter towards the end when Kevin Kyle was injured, but it's very hard That's to... Damning. Yeah. That is damning. That's a decade ago. And that's, it, is, it is damning because that's how I want my team to play. That's how Hearts fans want their team to play. You, you, with a high intensity and a high tempo, should come excitement. Should come some moments where like, oh God, we, we, we lost possession and turned over and they went and scored or whatever. But it just... Right now, this season, it just seems to be reactive rather than proactive and waiting for something to happen before they decide, okay, we better get going now. I'm not saying, well, it it should be a prerequisite, especially in this league. I'd want swashbuckling, but you don't always get what you want. But I just want more than we're getting. But and, And we have to put this in a kind of big, broader picture right now, because this season hasn't been good enough so far. And... I mean, you can, we've spoken before about what you can do with statistics. I mean, when Robbie came out afterwards, he didn't see anything that was um, statistically inaccurate. He did so. He did have a 12-point lead. And then you look further into that and you see, well, the nearest challengers got two games in hand. So potentially that could be six points. Of course, we would all do that in, in Robbie's position. You make them suit your own agenda. That, that's yeah. understandable. So I think we're, we're trying to look on this week's show, we're trying to look at bigger picture. You've just said to me that a decent pace Hearts team um, with a high tempo and high intensity, we probably haven't seen that consistently over the course of a season for 10 years. That is damning. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm possibly missing something, but apart from the championship but season, which I th- me, yeah, apart is, from the championship, yeah. Apart from the championship season, which you have to give a bit of context, um, I don't thought you know. Hibs were there, Rangers were there. That was a decent yeah. championship lineup. Yeah, and um, we did better then than we're doing this year. Yes, no, it's true. I mean, but in terms of the top flight for a consistent, I don't, I don't think there's really been been an awful lot. I mean, we started well under Levine that campaign. It didn't last, and it wasn't that same up and at them type approach. And is it just a Obviously, we, we, you can't boil, you know, nine years of maybe underachieving simply down to tactics because we've had numerous different managers. No, of, of course. You know, Plus, behind the scenes, there's been a lot of upheaval as well. But is it that feeling that do do Hearts see themselves? And obviously, Hearts should be up there. I mean, top four should be a target for Hearts every season. Top four in the in the top flight should be what Hearts are target. I mean, people say no, it should be definitely third, but you could you could argue. Aberdeen have a similar budget. Hibs are right now. Good. Right now, we're the thirteenth best team in Scotland. Yeah. So if, yeah. I, I think top four is, um, is. I mean, look next. Season, That's what I'm saying. That Hearts should be aiming for as a club. No, of, of course. I mean, ideally, you you should be you should be achieving. Should and it isn't always possible. Atalanta in Italy um, still only have the eleventh biggest budget in Serie A, but the season that they made the Champions League. They had the budget of a mid-table team in uh, in the Championship in England. So the equivalent, what they were about the thirtieth uh, highest wage bill in the country. Yet they achieved. So it's not all about how much you earn, but you you should base where you should finish on how much you're paying your players. If you've got the yeah. third or fourth biggest wage bill in Scotland, and there was a time where Hearts were third, 
um, the whole Romanov stuff that skewed things because he was we were paying over a hundred percent of of wages to yeah, turnover, which, is, which is is nonsense. Um, up until the last few years, Aberdeen and Hearts were pretty similar um, with with regards to wages spent. Now it might have actually come back to that. There was a period where Aberdeen were able to spend more than Hearts. So I think I think, I think it's Aberdeen been fairly is, similar. I don't know. I've not seen. Yeah, it, but it's I mean, not look, I don't, I don't think now. there's anybody at Hearts on, and, and I'm talking there might be one or two that that kind of go above it, um, the kind of higher earners. But I think the average salary at Hearts this season. Uh, I mean, you, you're probably guys that they're bringing in probably aren't on any more than two grand a week, and that's because they're championship wages. Guys that are already there, well, there'll be some that will be on more than that. But I think top dollar um, for for looking at players, unless it's extenuating circumstances and you get a hell of a deal, I don't think you're looking at any more than three grand a week um, right now for for an Aberdeen or, or someone like that. Hearts have obviously had to cut their cloth accordingly. Um, being in the championship and not subject to the same revenues incoming uh, as Aberdeen, and th- this is all this is me from what I've heard and and various other things. So there's no there's no guarantee that that's that's the right number. But long gone are the the kind of days of, of five figure wages at, at Hearts. Those were silly days, and they culminated in, in where we ended up. So you can still, I mean, if Aberdeen have been in the same predicament, and and I think they've had a successful decade or a successful period under Derek McInnes, it might now be going a little bit stale, but they've been able to do something. I mean, it's the old Premier League, isn't it? Um, the, the analogy, what, what would you rather? Would you rather finish fourth every year or would you rather be mid-table every year and have a win or two in a in a cup, uh, i.e. winning the trophy? I mean, it, it all depends. We have underachieved with the current coach, with the previous coaches for a while. Is it because... We're trying to overcomplicate things. Is it behind the scenes? What is it? And why is it? Because I'm pleased to say we've got John Colquhoun coming up on the show uh, in the next few weeks. Um, and I'm partway through John's piece with uh, Graham Spears on Press Box. And he, he was talking about his time with Celtic. But the thing that got me was his time with Hearts. And Alex McDonald made it as simple as possible. He said, because you've got so many different characters in a changing room. All John was saying is, and it'll be good to go deeper with him when, when we have him on in a couple of weeks. All he was saying was, look, as a player, all I wanted to know was what was expected of me. What were my instructions? And the simpler, the better. His instructions were simple. Get the ball as often as you can and, and feed Sandy Clark. Sandy will do the rest, either for Robbo or for others, um, or, or put a cross in and, and Sandy might score from it. But his job as a winger was just to deliver. Don't try and beat a man three times. Don't try and overcomplicate things. Get the ball, put it in the box, your job's done. That seems rather simple. And obviously it was a little bit more complicated than that. But for a coach in Robbie who has come out and, and for signing five wingers has, has shown that, he wants width, he wants delivery, and he wants his wingers to be a part of the team. So why are we not getting the wingers on the ball often enough and why are the wingers not doing what they were brought to the club to do? That's a problem. Is it as simple as get it to the winger, put the ball in the box, and potentially score a goal or certainly create? I mean, that second half, which was the last away game that we did, was it at Air? Was it the second half when Boyce... Uh, Air away, Boyce scored a penalty and we won. Late on. So there was... Queen of the South. Right. 
was when we got a draw at the end. That was it. It was the Queen of the South game, um, whereby from Hearts, I think it was a few minutes into the second half until the penalty right at the end, there was nothing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing to, to write home about from an attacking perspective. Why? Is it a lack of pace, like uh, tempo-wise? I mean, if you're playing with wingers, and they were, I mean, Gary, I thought Gary McKay Stephen, by the way, um, I think we saw signs at the weekend that okay, this is this is a bit more like it. Once he, he seems to be starting to to get so, I and mean, you have to persevere with that. But that game at Queen of the South, I think we went about forty minutes without doing absolutely anything. Yeah. And you could argue there were spells like that at Inverness too. So I don't. I don't know if anybody does know the answer. It's 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 so frustrating, and I hope you can hear that in, in kind of our voices, the, the frustration, because we know we're better than we're showing. If we're that frustrated, multiply that by goodness knows how much, and you'll get how frustrated Robbie is. He wants nothing more than to go out and watch his team play well, entertain the viewers, uh, whether the, it's the one or two um, kind of members of the coaching staff or or the board members in attendance, but the majority on Hearts TV or or watching on, on Kunsel Telly, if it's a BBC game or, or whatever, he doesn't need to be told that this isn't good enough. But it's been the same for the last month as far as 1-1 draws and performances. Performances have been the same for, for longer than that. It's, it's a lot of this isn't right, here's what's wrong. There's very little, here's how to fix it, from us. That's not our job. We Hopefully we, 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 we could if we had the opportunity. But it's, it's the job of the, the coaching staff. And you know what? I would take winning this league by a few points and whatever and not, not being ideal if it meant a third or a fourth place finish next season. But you can't just go from producing, I wouldn't say mediocrity, I'd say an un, I'd say underperforming. You couldn't just go from underperforming yet winning a league to suddenly. Where's that been? How are Hearts third or fourth? How did Hearts when we started doing this podcast? How what what did they do to reach top of the table under Craig Levine? So weird things can happen, but I'd need to see more. If you if you think a preseason can fix all our ills, then maybe it can. But I think it's a lot deeper than that. I don't have the answers. It's up to others that are paid to come up with the answers to do so. Let's hope they have some answers uh, for this weekend. We're not going to preview that because we've had enough of that. Enough of hearts in the present day. Okay, last week we talked about um, pre-season and the potential to have an interesting pre-season tour or an interesting set of games or maybe just one match it came from uh, looking at the Hearts pre-season in 95-96 where they played three games in three days from Elgin to Peterhead to Montrose um, which quite an entertaining weekend as a fan so we put homework out there if you were in charge of pre-season what would you pick and this is obviously in a scenario where fans are able to travel and able to go to games and we got some we got some good responses, so I'm going to go through some of these and get your thoughts on it as well, Mark. Uh, so Stevie Morris said um, he, and some of these are actually just reactions to the, the tours themselves. He actually says, loved the Highland tours. First season backup, three of us met the team in a Nairn hotel 
and they got us into a nightclub for free. Jimmy Bone told us, see that wee diddy over there? I'm going to kick his arse up and down the, every park. He'll learn. That wee guy was Robbo. First game, St Johnston nil, hearts one. There you go. Um, Ewan Pringle says, uh, pre-season at Jim Jeffries holiday home in, is it Il Kyoko? Is that what it is? Il Choco. Choco? Uh, where is that? Is that Tuscany? Italy. Uh, might be Tuscany, but he, that's where he always used to, I'm sure he mm. took the boys there for pre-season, but Il Choco was, was one of his favourites. It was, it was the equivalent of the, the Dick Campbell, Billy Brown, Jim Jeffries trip <laughs> to, uh, the, the two weeks in either, I think it was at Magaluf or Mallorca where they used to go, uh, after the final week of the season, but Il Choco was, was always the, the kind of go-to training resort for, for Jim. Uh, Ewan also says, plenty of European sites head to Austria. Mountain biking and running recoveries in between training and games. You'd get a good schedule between local sides, Austrian top league, or even the glamour friendly with teams around there. Did you go to any of the Austrian pre-season? Because we, we did that a couple of years, didn't we? I didn't. The only time I was in Austria was in... Graz at the Arnold Schwarzenegger Stadium to commentate on Livy ah, against okay. Sturm Graz. Four that was, three, the home game wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but they went out wacky. But it was the round before we went to Liechtenstein um, to play FC Vaduz and had to stay in Zurich because I think there was like one hotel in uh, Liechtenstein and they put the prices up whenever there's a game. So I mean, the the drive from Liechtenstein. Uh, from Zurich was was stunning, but never did Austria. The one I did do as a fan um, was Mets. Preseason uh, friends. Was, yeah, yeah. It wasn't played at the Mets stadium. It was played in like a, a public park or something. But it was '98, if I remember mm-hmm. rightly, because it was the I'm, season after we won the cup, wasn't it? I remember. Did we win one nil, or did I make that up? Against Mets. Um, I can't remember the score. One rings a bell, but was it not? Was it ninety nine or ninety eight? I, I we thought lost. It was we sum- lost one nil. We lost one nil. Twenty first of July. Summer that, that that France had just won the World Cup. Was yeah. Twenty first of July ninety eight. So it was a season. Yeah, it was after we won the cup. Yeah. So because I've like they were still selling. I've still got a bottle of of Bordeaux wine, uh, France ninety eight wine, and I kind of stocked up on. On souvenirs, but yeah, I flew to Luxembourg for that one because it's just a wee hop across the border. Uh, I think that was the only time I did a foreign away trip. I, I did Ireland. I've, I've done. It's funny. I was watching um, the BBC show with James Nesbitt that's on right now, and, and one of the scenes they had the oval in the background, even although they'd just been at the rug, rugby. I think at Ravenhill or, or whatever. I went to see Hearts against Glen Torren in a pre-season friendly, uh, and I've done England, but I think abroad, I believe, um, the Mets game in France is the only time I've seen them pre-season. Obviously, I've seen plenty of them in, in European. Have you ever done any uh, any overseas trips just for friendlies? No, no, I've certainly not. Just something I've just noticed. That game, I, I like a tangent. This is the, These are the tangents I like. So that game when Hearts lost 1-0 to Mets pre-season, 1998, um, a substitute that was that came on for Mets for 25 minutes, 19 years of age, Louis Saha. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's funny. It's funny to to see players who either played against Hearts or were unused subs 
Uh, Mario Mandzukic was part of the Dinamo Zagreb squad. Yeah, you're going to see Dzeko as well, aren't you? Edin Dzeko was an unused sub for Zelyesnika in Sarajevo. That was quite the trip. Um, that was that was fun. Sarajevo is a brilliant city, by the way. It I've really heard, is. I've heard that. Um, Kenny Hunter just says Dubai. I've heard it's great. Um, <laughs> uh, Jordan Sterling. This is I like this as well. He says a wee Scandinavian trip would be good. Start off at, at Bron. I know it's. Brunby, isn't it? Brunby, I'm going to say. Copenhagen and then over the bridge to Malmo uh, might not be the cheapest, though. Um, I quite like the idea. I, I did a Copenhagen trip, um, when was it, five or six years ago, and we went to a couple of games in, in and around Copenhagen, and then we went to one in Sweden. We didn't do Malmo because they weren't playing in the end, but what we did was we took the train up the coast and then you get a ferry from Denmark um, over to Sweden at the point where it gets at the point where it's basically a swim. It's from Helsingor to Helsingborgs. Um, so you could what you could do is you could start in Malmo, play Malmo, go over the bridge on the train. You could play a game in Copenhagen. You could play FC Copenhagen. Or there's loads of teams around Copenhagen. Um, then you get the train up the coast to Helsingor, and then you get the ferry to Helsingborg, which is where. Um, Henrik Larsson was managing yep. not too long ago. And do you know who their manager is now? I looked this up just now, actually. Sure, Baxter. Olof Melberg. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. So you do a wee trip, Sweden to Denmark, up the coast, back into Sweden. So, I, I mean, it's, pricey, it's, it's great. Yeah, that would be the thing. I mean, the spirits are the main thing that are pricey because you can get beer. Beer's expensive, but there's Carlsberg and, and their local stuff. And it's, it's, it's probably the pint, the price of a pint when you used to go to a bar in George Street. But spirits are really expensive in uh, in Scandinavia. I did um, Sweden's particularly, but I noticed when I was there that Denmark wasn't too bad. It was like being uptown. It was like expensive pints, but not more than what you'd pay in London or maybe Edinburgh in some places. But then you went over the water to Sweden, and you were talking like best part of a tenner for a pint. Oh, sheesh. I never did Norway. I think I've done like... 30 plus European countries never somehow never managed to do Norway and I'd love to go there Denmark I did Odense against Hibs um, Sweden Livingston played at the Ulevi Stadium I believe okay. the home of Gothenburg against BK Harkin um, and, and that that was great doing these teams working at fourth um, kind of any time Dunfermline got into Europe, I think, based on reaching the cup final when the losing team still got in. But Livy, Livy's trip away was brilliant with, with Leishman. Loads of trips for Hearts. Writing a Hearts book while on a Hibs trip um, to Latvia. <laughs> that was brilliant because it, what the fuck are you doing with that laptop? I was just, just doing research on, on um, was it uh, Dinaberg, I think Hibs played in Daugapils. Um, and I remember, I think I've told the story before, it always makes me chuckle. When we were in Latvia, I was at the airport um, waiting to come home, and it was a, it wasn't an official trip because Hibs had chartered their own flight. I think all clubs now do that, and I don't think the press. I think it was Paul Mitchell that was telling us when he was on our podcast that it's rare now for the press to travel with the team. They all kind of have to make their own way there. But this was one of the rare ones. We normally travelled with the team, whether it was Hearts, Hibs, Dunfermline, Livingston, or or whoever. Um, this was one of the rare ones where Hibs decided. They were going to travel. It was 2006 because we watched the World Cup final in Riga. Um, then we went 
literally to the Ukrainian border, I think it was, to Daugapils, or the Russian border. And it was arranged by Kevin Thomas's mum, I believe, who was a, a travel agent. I think, I think it was Kevin Thomas and George O'Boyle had something to do with this travel agency. Uh, so there were some real hardy boys. And there weren't too many Hibs fans in attendance there. So I went over with them. And I was writing um, Believe at the time. <laughs> at the time. And anyway, we were at the airport on the way back. And, and big Frank Dugan, who's um, really well known in, in Hibs fans circle. I hope he's still alive, Frank. I'm, I, I'm not sure. Um, but Frank's a very, very big lad. Okay, so so his movement is akin to mine. We don't move very quick. I moved a little bit quicker back then. And at the airport in Riga, ready to come home, if any of you, I'm sure most of you will know that the Latvian flag, it's what we use when messaging each other or whatever. Um, it's actually, it's meant to be a, a hearts flag, the maroon and white, but it is the, Lat, the, the, the Latvia flag. So obviously being their colours, maroon and white, there was a little football stall in a, in Riga Airport, a, a maroon and white crocheted or knitted scarf. So I was, I bought one, and uh, <laughs> and I remember chasing Frank around. I say chasing. He didn't really move much, but I kind of put it in his face, and he wasn't too happy at that because by that stage it didn't take long for them. I think they knew already I was a jambo, um, but I was with with Hibbs, and that was that was kind of humorous, and that Frank was <laughs> Frank Fra- Frank was the one. Who he, he sat down there. We're playing. They were playing in this public park um, in the middle of Daugapils, and there was it was a, a shit tip of a stadium. It was nothing more than than kind of socked an enclosure. So there was like a massive bench with like ten seats on it. So Frank sat down on one of the seats at the end. It was like a a, a seesaw. There was no one at the other. He was the only one on these ten seats. But the seats at the other end, due to his weight, went up in the air and he ended up on his arse lying flat on the on the ground. So afterwards we came back. I was friends with Gary O'Hagan, who was the Hibs secretary at the time. And I, I got Gary to write a letter to Frank saying they'd had a, a bill from Dinaberg for broken seats. And we got it all dressed up with a Hibs crest and everything like that. And we had a good old laugh Um I remember being with Frank um, shortly afterwards, and, and that that was humorous. But it was the days when you could have a laugh. So I, I said last week about Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, um, Riga, Vilnius, and Tallinn as a kind of back-to-back-to-back hearts perfect week of pre-season. That is just a stunning part of the. Uh, of the world. I don't think it's as cheap as it used to be because it was dirt cheap when we first went. Lantana, remember them, 98. That was the first time I was in one of the Baltic states and it was it was dirt cheap. But it's just Lee Makel goal, I believe, 1 0 away and then 5 0. Yeah, and I, I blew up the Radio Fourth piece of equipment that I was over with because it was it was down the old phone line and anything more than a kind of normal voice uh, and a conversation. We had to be careful with that commentary, but obviously when Hearts scored, beep! Um, off it went but yeah that was played at the same stadium where Estonia didn't show up yeah was it the same one yes it was it was the same one I think 
Kadriog Stadium. I think you mentioned that before. Yeah. Uh, Stefan uh, Adam's right boot on Twitter says, uh, "Since my favorite, since it's my favorite city to visit, I'd love to see Hearts do a wee tour involving clubs from Prague." Annoyed I missed our UEFA Cup game over there in 2006, and um, yeah, I. I I've been to Prague, it's a, a great city. I went to see Slavia against Bohemians, so a, a Prague derby. We were meant to go to Duke Club, but um, I messed up on some travel things, so we missed that in the end. But uh, yeah, you've got plenty of options. Sparta, Slavia, Bohemians, Dukla. Uh, there's plenty of smaller ones as well. I was <laughs> looking at, remember Victoria Zizhkov or wherever they were? Remember they beat Rangers? Yep. Um, what was that, like 20 years ago or something? So Prague would be good. Plenty of uh-huh. options there. Um, I'm sure the fans would love a trip to Prague. Uh, so some of the, kind, the kind of place whereby you stay in the one place for for like a week and you play four or five teams from that city. That would be pretty good as well. That, yeah. that kind of Prague Different trip with, options, with those yeah. clubs that you, you mentioned. It means you would... I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said for, for maybe watching a game, moving on to the next place. But another option would be just to set up base in Prague and and not have to move for a week and just always end up back at the, the same hotel exactly. but you get different yeah. different experiences that'd be pretty cool Carmen Carter says Berwick Rangers Gretna and Carlisle United or oh, Yeovil Town Exeter and Plymouth Argyle that's that's a trek when you get down to get down to Exeter and Plymouth yeah I remember we played Southampton it was at one of Alan Pardew's first games Hearts played down there um, that might have been the same trip that we did Plymouth, I believe. And for those of us that hadn't really spent much time in the front of England, you just think Southampton to Plymouth. That's just along the road, isn't it? Whoa. There's some proper trips there. Remember Craig Brewster when he was at, uh, he had a spell with, uh, Plymouth. I believe he was Derek, uh, Derek's assistant. What was Derek's name? The guy at Ross County. Derek Adams. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said some of the away trips. If there were a, not even a case of being up north, because up north you know you're going to get long one. He said, they, I don't think they did a short because he was obviously with Ross County with Derek as well, and Ross County's a a trek. He said Ross County down to Kilmarnock was like a it was like a trip down the road compared to some of the journeys they made while at Plymouth. So there must be some Hearts fans listening to this that did the Southampton game. I'm oh, sure without the Plymouth doubt, yeah. game was was you don't just go down there for the, I I did because I was down at my sister's and I had to get back. Um, but Hearts fans must have done that, and we did Millwall and Gillingham. Remember that for Neil Harris's testimonial. Mm-hmm. Um, some good trips out there. I haven't I haven't done any obviously since coming over here. Didn't get back. I only got back for a couple of European ties. Hearts have had some some decent kind of pre-season games, have they not? Over the last decade or so you know had a game or two at Preston and and others yeah I've been to Preston but I, I went um uh, the season after we won the cup in 2006 when a lot of fans went down there uh, but we've got some other, I'll, I'll quickly go through some others Kenny Campbell said Swindon Forest Green Rovers and Cheltenham would be ideal for me there's a lot of people who just want ones that are you know good for them locally which is which is fine reason as well um graham robertson says new york city and make them go afloat on some big boat from liverpool um craig robertson also said what about pre-season in new york what what a session that would be it'd be ideal for you Um, oh my goodness less than two hours down the road i'm trying to think if, if i was to do a bespoke 
um, schedule, schedule, I don't know, whatever it is, for Hearts over here. Um, New York will be fine, but you want, as well as the big cities, you, you want to, um, you don't just want the big cities. And a lot of the, the MLS teams are kind of big city teams. I mean, close to there, a couple of hours down the road to Philly, a couple of hours up the road uh, well, four hours up the road to, to Boston where the Revs play at um, at Gillette Stadium. But you'd want to do kind of some of the Midwest teams and proper kind of hospitality whereby they don't get that many tourists. Those would be good good trips for Hearts because Hearts did that many, many years ago as a, a kind of program collector. Um, there's a number of programs which I, I still have, I'm keen to get my hands on um, from the 60s and even late 50s when Hearts came over here, and there was a spell. Um, the first team to ever beat um, the New York Cosmos were Heart of Midlothian Football Club in the early 70s. So there was a, a spell whereby Scottish teams, because Dundee United did it, Scottish teams played their own players but took on the name of an American side. Like, I think Dallas Tornado was... I mean, Hearts played them. Played them home. And they certainly played them at Tynecastle. I've got that program. But away from home, um, I'm sure we've, we've met them as well. But there was a time where American teams kept their own team name, but their side was made up of um, Scottish players. And certainly the New York Cosmos um, played Hearts, and that was Hearts were the first team to ever beat them. And uh, on Randall's Island... Just off, uh, just off New York. A couple more um, stateside requests. Alistair Dobby says, uh, selfishly, a triple header over the three days versus Minnesota United would be perfect for me. Um, Rowdy Heart Tiger says, how about a winter break tour of Tampa Bay Rowdies at the beautiful AI Lang Stadium? Is it was it? Um, an MLS club at IMG Academy in Bradenton. Bradenton, yeah, I think that's Seven over miles on the, uh, to the Longboat Key. Yeah, this is all foreign to me. And a friendly <laughs> game of beach volleyball, a Hearts 11 versus a Florida fans slash media team on <laughs> Siesta Key, the number one beach in America. There you go. I mean, that's a part. I didn't understand of... most of what I just said. <laughs> well, Bradenton Beach is on the west coast. I think it's kind of south of Tampa, St. Pete. We did. It's tough right now. Normally, this is the week that I would be speaking to you from either Arizona or Florida. You know how we've done that yeah. in the last couple of years for baseball spring training, but that's up. That's up the Kyber. Um, but the west coast of Florida, very different from the east coast of Florida. Um, but Bradenton and, and that part of the world, Bradenton Beach, now we're talking, uh, on the Manatee River down there. That would be a cool trip. But you, you know what Hearts fans would be like. They'd come over. They just want to get pissed all the time. They'd not bring any sunscreen with them. They'd end up with sunstroke. They'd go back home. They'd be in their beds for two weeks looking like absolute lobsters. But they would have had the time of their lives while they were there. Canada. I'd like to. Hearts played some Canadian teams in the early 60s. I'd, I'd like to do a Canadian trip over to Vancouver. Uh, I think we played the BC All-Stars back in the day. A wee trip to Vancouver Island, maybe a wee trip down south to see Hugo Perez and his pals at Seattle Storm. Right, okay, well let's, I'm going to change the tune slightly because Crayley tweeted us with a completely different approach. 
So this isn't even just three games in three days. This is three games in one day. He says you could do the following in a day. Um, West uh, Linton Hotspur, 10 a.m. kickoff. (laughs) Carry out on the bus. 1.30 p.m. kickoff, Penny Cook Athletic. Uh Carry out on the bus to Peebles Rovers for a 5 p.m. kickoff, after which you just hit the pub. Easy. Easy. I mean, you could even have a wee pint at West Linton Golf Club. Um, on the way and then then go to the Navarre or the Royal or the Crown. I mean, we're assuming everywhere's open again to be able to do that. Yeah, that's because... this, this scenario they are. Um, so that's, well, they have to be. Yeah. That's Our fine. Scenario. Stuart Moody says North Rhine Westphalia area in Germany. Regular yeah, flights nice from Edinburgh and Glasgow. Lots of regional teams as well as big clubs in a few decent cities for days out. The, one, of the, one of the prerequisites for this, I think, would be going somewhere where they had their own currency and they weren't governed by the kind of, uh, like, they, they have the euros and whatever, because things are so much more expensive once once you got all that. So I'd be looking at which nations in, in Europe had, uh, I mean, well, I'm not going back to the days of the Greek drachma, the Spanish peseta, the French franc, and the Turkish lira. I get that, but there must still be some It gets too confusing, though, because you're, like, in Prague, and it's like... You get the bill for everyone going out and eating, and it's like, oh, that's two thousand something. Like what? <laughs> Wait. No, but that's part. Of, that's part of the fun. That's that. that you don't. I, I think. I think um, globalization is causing issues here, Mark. You've got less options for that these days. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Find options whereby it's not in euros okay. and and it, it's it's cheap. I mean, Israel would be great. Absolutely fantastic to to do Tel Aviv, to do Jerusalem. Um, I'm trying to think where else. Do you hear my one? I I, I planned one. I've planned one. Oh, unfortunately, unfortunately, well, in my head, unfortunately, it's it's Italy. So you know, you need, right. you need your euros. I'm afraid. But you go to Venice, and I've got a link. I've tried to make a link here with everyone we play. So we we'll go to Venice, play Venezia, where Julian Brellier spent two seasons. Kick off. Oh, there. I knew there. I knew there was some reason. I would end up there. It's because of your love affair. Couple of hours in the train to Bologna, home of Aaron Hickey, hearts you with a cup of opponents, 1990. We game there. By, by the way, what, what, to, to continue the Bologna theme, um, if you haven't yet watched Stanley Tucci on CNN, he's going around Italy eating the local foods, and he did the most recent one from last weekend was Bologna. Um, and it it's amazing what you find out. I didn't know that spaghetti bolognese, that originated there, the Bologna part of, of bolognese. Um, but if you get the opportunity, I'm sure with your tour around Italy, Stanley Tucci, you, you could have maybe done it in tandem. You could have filmed the football you could, part. You could do cool commentary. There you go. So, so for the, the follow-up, <laughs> for the sequel to Stanley Tucci's um, food series, uh, he has to do it with you and, and then become your your analyst at these games. So Venezia against Hearts, Bologna against Hearts. Where are we heading after that? Um, so after that, it's a 40-minute train journey to Florence where we can yep. play Fiorentina, where yep. Stefano Salvatore played for two years. Oh, uh, they, this is why you were asking on uh, during the week about is there any link between Hearts and Lazio or Roma? Yes. So every one of your trips has got some semblance of a heart connection yeah, and it's, or and, connotation. That's and it's a nice good. trip. I've done this trip kind of in reverse or a lot of it anyway. I've not done this bit because I thought <clears throat> rather than continue straight 
south from here. I thought you could take a little <clears throat> detour to the coast. So you can take the train from Florence, go along towards the coast, past Livorno and along to Grosseto. So it's like three hours. You're sticking in Tus- staying in Tuscany, but you get a nice little scenic route along by the, the coast. Um, and Grosseto is where Pania played and where his career actually kind of... Um, was re- reimagined when he got back on track because in 2009-2010 he'd barely played for a few seasons after leaving Hearts and he joined, um, is it Unione Sportiva Grosseto 1912, I think. U.S. Yeah. Grosseto. Um, I'm, waiting on, I'm waiting on the Pasquale Bruno reference here. Uh, as part of it. No? I looked, I looked, but it didn't fit in with my schedule, unfortunately, or my schedule. Oh, uh, How long is this? How long is this trip? Is this not long left. This is so. This is because Benia played there in um, Serie B, and you know I actually forgot about this when he got his career back on track. He scored twenty four goals in twenty four games. Elas Verona, he went to as well, and yeah. had an amazing spell. Um, and he's just retired, I believe. Is that right? Yes, he has. He has. Um, but anyway, yeah, and he got a com- competition record of scoring twelve goals in uh, scoring in twelve consecutive matches in Serie B. Well, was Panea's only heart goal at Pataudry? Uh No, he got two. He scored against Inverness as well. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. Um, then Grisetto to Rome, just a 90-minute train journey. This is where it got difficult. This is why I was asking. We have a group with Davy Allen, who does London Hearts and the Hearts Museum and knows everything about everything with hearts. I couldn't... For, for, I spent hours trying to find a link between either Roma or Lazio and hearts. And obviously by link, I mean it has to be someone who's played for both teams even if it's just in the youth team um or a link between matches or like a, a manager or coach has been at both clubs but i couldn't find anything and and davy couldn't either so i don't think there's a link but you could go to rome and you could play lodigiani who are fourth tier because the heart's connotation or reference point is what? Stefano Salvatore started his career there. Ah, okay. He was also okay. born in Rome, Stefano. He was a Roman, but he started his career in, at uh, AS Lodigiani, who are Serie C2, fourth tier, play just on the outskirts of Rome. So, you know, you can have a few few nights in the capital. And uh, after those, after some intense games against the likes of Fiorentina, you just, you know, have a little little run out. Just a casual run out against um, part time or probably actually amateur team at that level in in Italy. Did you did you say you started this this trip in um, Venice in Venezia yeah. in Venice? But do you not want to start down at the heel of the boot in Lecce? Because that's where Pasquale Bruno began his career. And he went well, on to could, play for Hearts. Italy's a big country. I mean, preseason's only going to go on for so long. I know, but anyway, there fun. you go. Just just an idea. <laughs> That, that's good. I like that. Okay. Well, thank okay. you, for everyone, for, for sending this in. I, I, I enjoyed a lot of the suggestions, and it did get me thinking about how enjoyable pre-season will be when we can actually start going to games again. Right. I've got a wee quiz for you before we go. Okay. Um, try to make it a bit different. I've had some people saying, do you not think Mark just cheats all the time? Um, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, this week you probably could still cheat but I will try and think of ones that are impossible to cheat at how could I have cheated with that one last week I think you definitely got some of them but but I was speaking to some of them like "Ah, you could still have typed 
I got Albion Rovers within seconds. That, How that could was, I have that was there? Pure luck, that one though. Um, anyway, okay, this week six. This week's a bit different. This is inspired by Davy Allen actually because he does um, he does a quiz. Um, it's it does it like every day. I don't do that. I only do them like one once every like once or twice uh, once or twice a month or something. But he I've says only once got maximum points, and that was when it was about us, you and me, and, <laughs> yeah. and the Hearts TV. And I still didn't win because I wasn't quickest. There's these people that are just. They must be yeah. quiz experts. That they're rapid. But fair play, he, he puts these quizzes out on a daily basis through the week. Yeah, they're outstanding. And, and um, the latest one had headlines in it, and you, it was headlines from the 2014-2015 championship season, and you had to pick what game it was related to, which I quite liked. So what I've done is I've found some headlines, uh-huh. and you're going to have to tell me what game it's it's off the back of. On which season? A specific season? No, no, this is a mix. So it's all oh. from the last... All since the turn of the millennium. So it's from 2000 onwards. Okay. Um, I've picked notable games. So it's not uh-huh. a nil-nil draw at Fair Park that you'll never remember. Um, but I'll see if you get these. So okay. let's have a start. So Hearts Break Ibrox Hoodoo. Right, so 95-96 was Alan Johnson's hat-trick. Just later than um, that. It's 2000 onwards. No, no, no I know, I know. Listen, this is part of the... Is this your workings? My, this is my workings. <laughs> I have to show my workings. It's also known as as, as yeah. kind of bluff and mm-hmm. bluster so that I get the opportunity to to speak to my team who are in my basement, my stats team at, at ESPN. No, not cheating. It's, it's not cheating. Okay, away from home... Um, I commentated on the Joe Hamill game. Was it that one? It was, yeah. May 2004, Hearts ended a 24-game w- uh, run, run without a win against Rangers. And okay. it was commentated on that for four. Yep. Yeah. End of the end of season. Yeah, it was at the end of the season. Yeah. I think it was meaningless for Rangers, yeah. but um, got us a got us a big win. Uh, I didn't need to cheat for that one. Okay. And I don't. I, I don't like that. I'm hurt by those accusations. <laughs> Okay, next up. Hearts hang on for UEFA Cup place. Was that the Juanjo season? Yes. Um, okay. I mean, I'm not making you give me the, the, the year. No, no. But it's May 2000, I, no, I Hearts 2, Hibs 1. Yeah. Yeah, because I, that, that's thanks to Amaruso Let's It Run, because I love the content that, that they produce. And there was one where they were talking about... Uh, there was an Edinburgh derby that I think Hearts could either secure a UEFA Cup spot or um, or kind of set themselves up. So it was pretty much inevitable. Plus, the other thing is as well, 2000. It had to be pre 2008 because that's when the uh, yeah, the UEFA Cup kind no of longer. changed and, and became the Europa League. Indeed. Okay. Next up, mm-hmm. Star Gordon is grounded. Star Gordon is great. So that'll be Craig's first spell at the club then. And I'm assuming it's Craig Gordon and not Gordon Petrich. It's Craig Gordon, yeah. Is grounded. Is that to do with an inability to get on a flight or something like that? <laughs> it's not, no. I, I there's obviously a, there's a reason why that headline's been used. Star Gordon is grounded. So it's either he's conceded loads of goals 
I don't think that'd be the case if it was his first spell at Hearts. I am not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pass. It's more. I think it was more to do with. I should actually have the whole article up here. More to do with um, that he he's not gonna get ahead of himself type of thing. He's a grounded person. Oh, oh right. Okay. So it's it's kind of feet on the ground. Yeah. Type thing and then staying staying humble. That could yeah. be anything. I mean, come on. That's, okay. that's just that's totally. Well, I didn't make them all easy. Okay. Af- well, it make was... it at least so it's possible. I've got a chance again. Okay. Right. It was after that's, the one 0 win in Bordeaux. One nil win in Bordeaux, November two thousand and three. I thought you might ever guess it. It was one of his early games where he was. Oh, if I if I if I'd kind of known, I mean, I know I remember he, did he not wear an orange and light blue Reebok sponsored or Reebok made jersey? Then when the Vries scored, that was just brilliant. The Hearts fans that night were so good. What a trip that was! My goodness, I did the day trip. I flew out at like six in the morning, and by all accounts, the night before. Now, it'd be interesting to get some people's take, and it's not so much a homework, but just if you if you fancy getting in touch, your your best say, memories of a European trip. A lot of them are are kind of hazy for most people, given some of the stuff that went on. But just if you if you had if you've done numerous, you, your favourite and why? Because we did. I remember the Feyenoord fans wanted a fight, but Hearts fans are having none of it and stayed in the pub. Stuttgart drank the bar dry in a karaoke night. Um, I think it got shut the next night because it got attacked or there was no bevy left. Stuttgart was a good trip but Bologna, by all accounts the night before Oy, what a trip that was <laughs> Okay, the next one I'll blank out because if I say the name you'll know what it is but it's the player's, uh-huh. the player's name Yeah. so blank put seal on a steel <sighs> So seal on a steel it's either a reference to a victory over Motherwell for Steel Men, but I think it's probably more the likes of um, Hearts didn't deserve something and got something from a game. And also think about points. the name. Okay, well, think about the name as well, because the name... What, blank? <laughs> no. <laughs> but the the surname kind of fits in with the words that are used, or one of the words that's used. There's a little, rip, a little bit of a link. How are you spelling steel? Is it the usual S T E A L? Yeah, it's not. It's as yeah, a, it's as in you steal not, something. Right, so it's yeah, not. So. It's not a play on so. on the kind of mother being the steel man. Blank. What was that? Blank puts seal on a steel. That could be anything. I don't know. Stamp puts seal on a steel. Stamp and seal, you know, wrap things up. So, so that'll be the Hearts Hebs at Easter Road. Yes. Yes. Janchik assist. Yeah. See, these are so these. I couldn't tell how tough these were. So I was. That's why I was taking ages trying to find ones. I needed it to have a oh. lot. Of, a lot of headlines are either too generic or they're too specific. Or too obvious. Yeah. To, or too obvious. Okay. Um. I, I can. I can maybe have done years. But anyway, here's one. So this is um, hearts not for breaking this time. Fergie. Fergie would either be Alex Ferguson. Since 2000, he was long gone by then. So Fergie would be Barry Mm -hmm. Ferguson. Is that right? Yep. So it's a Hearts Rangers game, assuming a Hearts won it. Um, Given that we only won at Ibrox with Joe Hamill, and then it's got to be a Tynecastle win over Rangers. Okay. Mm hmm. Um, now, what specific game would it be? Because there was a spell we didn't have that much kind of joy um, against them 
What about... What, what was the headline? What, Fergie? Hearts not for breaking this time, Fergie. Well, there was a Bednar game. Yep. Start this season. That's it. Was it was it that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hearts won Rangers nil, two thousand and five. I guess it was in reference to the fact you know Hearts are not going to break. This is a the the real deal as well. So there you go. Okay. Um, I like that because that was even, there, there was there was enough elements in the headline to to try and and work it out. Okay. I like that one. The ones with the kind of the generic steel <laughs> pish. I mean, nothing unless you give me stamp. But then it's too easy. So that was that was one of the best. It was the fact it was seal. I thought it might be like stamp seal, you know, trying to... Well, licked or something like that. Or gum or... Phil Lick. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's another one. Hearts finally plant an old firm footing. Was it the League Cup win at Celtic Park when Michael Stewart scored a penalty? No, it was that team, but it was not that game. Well, we've had two about Rangers, so it's, is it about Celtic? Yes, it's Celtic, but not that game. Well, that was the last time we won there, wasn't it? Uh, yes, I think so, yeah. Like 2009, so, was it? Yeah. Before that, it's earlier than that, if that helps. So wins at Celtic Park have been few and far between. Have you not well, won... It doesn't have to be Celtic Park. So that's a hint. Is it Tyne Castle? <laughs> Where we've done better. Hearts finally but, plant an old firm footing. Plant. What would the word plant be for? Um, plant. Oh. Was that a goal scorer? Oh, yeah, think yeah. about this one. Uh, I don't think there's any. Was there a reason for the there's word no, plant? I don't think there was. Okay, okay. Was it um, when we beat them 3 0 at Tyne Castle? Because that was a decent. That was by a few goals. Nope. It was we actually we'd lost against them a lot of times in a row before this one. So I think that's the reference was more in terms of we finally managed to It was Stephen Halliday, the Scotsman article. I should probably have read it to see if there was Was that was that Austin McCann's goal? Yes, it was, yeah. Well, that was the first time we'd beaten them in ages, was it? It was like 12 consecutive defeats before that oh, game. Jesus. So April Oof. 2003, obviously. Um, and what was the words he used? It was like something to do with putting a stamp on a passport to Europe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Put a seal and a stamp. <laughs> no, I, I did. Because th- th- there's a little story behind that as well. Because Peter Martin was commentating for Clyde, for Radio Clyde. And, and um, th- were they going for the title? That year, yeah, they were, was, they were. Yeah, it was very. Was that, was went, that, went to the last. Was day. that the season that the Rangers done Fermlin and Killy yeah. Celtic on the last day? The helicopters changing direction. Yeah, right, we, so were that, the, we were the other game. We were beating Dundee one 0 That's. Can they told you that? So uh, obviously, I Stefan Mahe crossed to De Vries for a header. <laughs> Sorry, okay. go on. That's fine. Um, I worked at four, so I did the Hearts. Peter worked at Clyde. He did the Rangers Celtic. Um, and. Larson had scored, and Peter went nuts because obviously they're going for like Peter something. Peter Martin Maguire. You'd never guess he was a Celtic fan, so he was going crazy in the commentary just there. And you can actually hear it's still it's somewhere um, the goals from that game, and you can actually hear Peter's commentary um, in the background because I'm like, oh, it's a goal, Henrik Larson, blah blah, blah whatever. 
Peter's like, ah, super having a hero, the king, the prince of all Celticness, and all that nonsense. And um, <laughs> Stamp has has equalised. And then there were two things that went through my head. I, I never, I don't think you should ever have anything scripted with regards to certain moments because it just takes away from, from the moment. So knowing that Stamp had scored, when McCann um, scored late on, first of all, I wanted to shout as loud as I could so I'd be heard on Clyde yeah. above Peter Martin. That was the first thing. That's and what secondly, I do at Easter when, Road. You try and be really loud because you know everyone <laughs> can hear you. Yeah, Easter, yeah, Easter Road's... Di- I was never that. You're braver than I am. I'm a big feardy um, <laughs> when it comes to commentating on heart schools at Easter Road. I was... There were there were moments. I mean, we were always the back row at Easter Road, so there was probably two rows in front of us of journalist seats, and then there was the, the because we were pretty central where the, the the media bit was. We always felt as though we were pretty um, pretty far away from or enough of a distance away from the Hibs fans to the left, and kind of three rows from the the corporate guys. And girls down below, so that that was all right. I don't know where your position is now, but it's a little bit lower. But yeah, it was a year ago today that they were. Um, that they were, at least one of them was trying to clamber up when Connor Washington uh, smashed in that third goal. Oh, was it? Was it? Well, the three not scariest boys, but the three where we were closest to the kind of home fans and, and with intensity. Easter Road was probably the out of the three. It would be number three. Number two. Number two would be Ibrox because you're on the gantry and it's like you can't get out without facing them. So you obviously always wait until they disperse or whatever, but you can hear everything from behind you and you get, we used to get Bovril and various things chucked at us. Very rarely though, I think it only happened once because we were always commenting that Joe Hamill won was a rarity. Um, and I know Hearts won there in the championship. I think I've only commentated once, maximum twice, on a Hearts win at Ibrox. So they were always kind of pretty friendly because they knew they'd probably win and we wouldn't get too excited because Hearts never usually won. The Celtic was a tough one. Celtic was a tough one. I only commentated two or three times on a win at Celtic Park. But we were the back row. They always gave us the back row of the press box, which is literally part of the main stand. So right behind us were Celtic fans, literally in the row behind. And there was nothing to separate them. No kind of wooden kind of structure or anything like that. That was always a a place where if Hearts scored, I'd give it just a bit more than a a kind of normal voice. I'd give it a shout, but just had to be cautious and careful. We're 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 running into to added time here, so I'm going to give time. you one. I'm going to give you one okay. more headline. This one's a bit more fun. Um, so we've got. Oh, where's it gone? Mikael's gone out on the pospicil. Mikael has gone out on the pospicil. As in his name, he was Mikael Pospisil. Mikael. So Mikael's gone out on the pospicil. As in. Mikael has gone out on the pospicil. On the piss? Is that what the reference is? That's what the reference is, yeah. So, was it... So, if it's not a, a, a boring game, it's probably going to be one of the big games. Was it a... Did he score against Rangers? What was it, 5 6 Did he score against Rangers pospicil? I'm not sure he did. So, pospicil... Was it a Celtic or a Hibs game? No. I'm struggling. I'm possibly feel. 
Who scored our goal against Gret on the cup final? Rudy Scatchell. Well, he scored the goal in the in open play in the game. But. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to think of a possible, a big possible goal. So it was. Was it oh five oh six? It was. Yeah. I don't know. It was. It was that game. It was Hearts Gret now. It says, oh, it was? Yes, it's Daily Record. It's Colin Duncan in the Daily Record. So um, he didn't score in the game, but he scored a penalty. I know. I know he didn't score in the game because I tell you, I tell you why I bloody remember he didn't score. There was a lot of us had a lot of money on him because there were, I can't remember the exact odds. So I'm not going to try and make it up, but there were double, he was double digits with one Ooh. particular bookmaker to score first goal. He was, I think, like, it wasn't even 92. It was at least five to one to any time scorer. So there was a lot of money on Pospisil in that. And having commentated on the game, I'd need to watch it back because I don't remember that much about the game apart from clearly I've just had to ask you who scored our goal in normal time. I remember partly getting sent off Robbie's challenge, their equaliser after Craig saved the penalty and then the, the spot kicks. I'm trying to think if Pospisil, because we were front row upstairs at Hamden. And we were standing to do the commentaries. It wasn't a case of get off your seat um, if something went close. Did Pospisil have a big chance in that game that would have got those of the, us who had him on first goal or any time goal rather excited? Because I can't remember. Maybe. I can't remember. Okay. So um, what's the headline about then? Uh, so, uh, Mikel Pospisil stroked home the penalty that clinched the cup for hearts, then launched into a 48-hour bender. The Czech Republic striker who buried the Jambo's decisive fourth spot kick was meant to fly back home after the epic Hamden encounter, but while his wife and family have already left Scotland, Pospisil postponed his journey home so he could make the most of Hart's celebrations. So there you go. There you go. There's some headlines. Yeah, they were tougher this week. Much harder to to see anyone who... Uh, speak to my lawyers, because that's that's a scurrilous allegation <laughs> of, of cheating. There's there's help that can be obtained from certain places, but with headlines like that, that's impossible. So, what did I get? Three, two, three out of five? I'll take that. Yeah, that was a tough one. <clears throat> Hopefully, by the time we're on next week's show, we'll actually be willing to talk about Hart's latest game in a little bit more depth as they... I'm just... Play. I'm just hopeful, Laurie, that next week's podcast can be similar to the podcast we did after the the 6-2 game at the start of the season when we beat Dundee. And the crazy thing is, if this is the way the championship with the games getting postponed and such. Like, if Hearts win on uh, Saturday against Dundee, they will definitely be 15 points clear because Wraith Rovers against Dunfermline Athletic, which was due to be on Friday, they're obviously the teams in second and third has now been postponed because of COVID-19. But um, anyway, hopefully, big three points Saturday against Dundee, and we'll be talking about hearts in the present day next week. Uh, but until then, thank you for joining. Uh, we got there in the end. Yo, Lil Pump, Sam Rockwell, there's a certain guy. He's a character actor we both love. He's very underappreciated. This is for our boy Stanley. Let's get it! Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang. 
Some of you don't know the name, Tooch. but that's that guy from the Hunger Games. Tooch. Transformers The Last Night. Tooch. Beauty and the Beast and Spotlight. Tooch. Writer and director of Big Night. Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang. Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang. Some of you don't know the name, but that's that guy from the Hunger Games. Mary Felicity Blunt. Sister of Emily Blunt. My man Tooch is with the Blunt. Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang. 32 years in the biz. Tooch. I'm a big fan of his. Tooch. I got mad respect for his reign. Tooch. He should have been Doctor Strange. Tooch. The Devil Wears Prada was sick. Tooch. If you don't like Stan, you're a dick. Tooch. He adds value to your flick. Tooch. If you don't like Stan, you a bitch. Tooch. He did two movies with Street. Tooch. I want to name my son Tucci. Tooch. Did you know my man had a cookbook? Tooch. And he was the co-owner of a restaurant. Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang. Some of you don't know the name, Tooch. but that's that guy from the Hunger Games. Tooch. Transformers, the last night. Tooch. Beauty and the Beast and Spotlight. Tooch. Writer and director of Big Night. Tooch.